show me the top five people you hang with and I'll show you your results essentially, which I think there's a lot to that. Yeah. Go surround yourself with the people that you aspire to be. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey guys, thank you for joining me here on the podcast. I appreciate you being here as always. Welcome back if you are a returning listener. If you're a new listener, doggone it, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I really appreciate you giving me the time and your faith in the time that you're spending because time is precious. We don't get it back. So thank you for being here and thank you for putting that trust in me. I hope I don't disappoint you today and I know that I won't because I've got a guest on that is so, so inspiring and and so unbelievable. He's a successful entrepreneur. Uh, he's run multiple businesses in the areas of insurance and real estate. He's a best-selling author of, author of three books, including The 100-Mile Mindset, Discover the Power of Being Your Word. And we talked about that, The 100-Mile Mindset. What does that mean? And Man, so inspirational. He was also a U.S. Army lieutenant. He served as a platoon leader during the Operation Iraqi Freedom, and he's also a very sought-after speaker and coach, and I was thrilled to have him on the show today. We talked about leadership. We talked about mindset. We talked about what it means and how do you overcome, and the fact that he does run these crazy 100-mile races, and what does it take, and you know, it's it's not that dissimilar to what it takes to being successful, right? It's just, it's, it's all about where you're your head is. And, and this was a great talk and I'm excited to have him on. So on today's show, I am very proud to present to you Nate Bailey. He also has a podcast. Uh, so check that out. We talk about that a little bit too. Um, it's called Championship Leadership. So guys, without any further ado, I want to dive into this because I think this is going to make your day. All right. I'd give you Nate Bailey. All right, Nate. Thank you for joining me on Just Our Real Estate. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for taking the time and thanks for getting to do this. This is going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Mike. Good stuff. So just to give people context, if they haven't heard of you, and there's a lot, you're doing a lot, you're involved in a lot, and you've done a lot. So that's why I'm super psyched about this conversation. But let's catch people up to where I am at least and give them a sense of who you are before you know real estate, before the coaching, before the speaking and all that. What did you do as a younger person and what got you going down this path? I often say this, right? The path that we're on in life, it doesn't always make sense when we're when we're on that path. And oftentimes it has it has for me recently. As I start to look back, a lot of things start to make sense of the journey that I've been on. But from a really early age in school, I remember speakers that would they're on this like school circuit, right? And and they, and yeah. you get pulled out of class randomly. It's exciting because you get to go to the auditorium. It's like a free pass to go like not be in class. And I just always remember these speakers that would come through. Like I specifically remember certain ones. And just remembering how cool that was and how awesome that was. And it kind of, I think, filed it away in the back, back of my head of like how neat that would be to do that. We've always gravitated towards leadership positions, whether it was as a captain of like the football, baseball, basketball teams in high school, to playing college sports, being an officer in the army, different businesses as an entrepreneur and doing a little bit of coaching and teaching. I went to school, got a teaching degree. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, so kind of leads me to where I am today, was in the insurance business for over 14 years, got into real estate back in 2010 as an investor, still love to do that even to this day, actually we're getting ready to buy another property here in the next month. And ultimately, yeah, when I look back, all that's led me and prepared me for what I do today, which is mostly full-time as a coach and speaker, uh, working with business owners and entrepreneurs, just really like myself. How do you think, and I have my own opinion, but I love hearing other folks who had, who played sports. What do you think sports 
the role of sports played in the way that you developed as an adult? Well, I think it's it's played a, a large part in my life because from a really, really early age, like I just... I was in love with sports and being outside and whether it was baseball or basketball or football, kind of those were the three main sports for me, but I did, you know, whatever I'd play tennis. I'd do, you know, all kinds of different activities. I was outside a lot as a kid. I was very competitive. I loved watching sports. I loved, you know, I grew up in the really in the eighties and nineties. And, and uh, so a lot of great sports figures from those times that I looked up to and yeah. followed and kind of studied and, and I, Grew up wanting to be, right? I wanted to be a professional athlete. That didn't actually happen, but um, it's a big part of who I am. I think just, you know, what's required to be a great athlete, the work, the discipline, the dedication, the commitment, wanting to win. There's so many things that, that I've drawn from athletics that have helped me to be successful in life. And even when I'm not successful, you know, in those times when you lost or had low moments in athletics, it it transfers over to, to like, Hey, you got to get back up, dust yourself off and and keep moving forward. I don't think that athletics are required for success, obviously, but I think it helps. I think the discipline, number one, it teaches you discipline as a younger person, you know, to Mm -hmm. go into practice. And, you know, I played football, baseball, and ran track. I didn't play basketball. I wasn't, I was vertically challenged, so to speak. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, going to practice and getting hit and running in the dirt and the rain. And, you know, I grew up in the, I'm probably a little older than you, but I grew up in the in the 70s and 80s. So I played football in the 80s. And back then, you know, like, not that it was okay or right, but, you know, water was a luxury. <laughs> you got water if you didn't screw up, you know, they, yeah, they withheld definitely. water from, from kids. So it was just yeah. different. It taught you discipline, but also it taught you to work as a team. It taught you to sacrifice a little bit for the better of the team sometimes. It taught you how to be a good teammate and be happy for other people because ultimately teammate success is your success. So there's a lot of good lessons and I, I don't want to get it's not really what we're here to talk about, but I just mm-hmm. it was interesting and intriguing that you were in the you were in sports and then you went into the the military. Was that right out of high school that you went in the military? No, actually it wasn't until after my last year of college football. I was okay. Oh. You know, kind of it had finished finished that part of my life and football had meant like athletic sports had been kind of just everything to me right up until then and then after that there was a bit of a void and so I was really trying to figure out what the next challenge was or or what was next and so yeah that's when I joined the military was right after that good decision the, yeah it was a good decision it was I don't regret it at the same time great experiences and that's definitely absolutely shaped me just as athletics has you know as a leader and uh, the experiences that i had being an officer being deployed i draw on those every day it helps me inside of my coaching practice and working with others and helping them to become better leaders in their life so definitely don't regret it you know i was never i guess the best thing about the military that i really loved was really just the people and the camaraderie you know i wasn't necessarily in love with the military life but um, there's a ton of great things that I've absolutely taken from it. Yeah. I'm thinking that probably was something that carried over from football, right? The locker room, the camaraderie, that kind of thing. And you go yeah. to the military and it's probably similar, different, but similar. So when you got out of the military straight into, into insurance and how did that look? How, so, how did you get into that? Well, when I joined the military, I actually joined the army national guard. So I was still, a, you know, I was kind of like the, I guess what they would say, the weekend warrior. Right. But, uh, it was many weekends throughout the month, especially as an officer. It wasn't just the one weekend. It was it was more of a commitment and a few weeks a year. And then, of course, when you get deployed or you get sent to schools, your your active duty deployment, 15 months, just like being in the regular Army at that point. So I got into the insurance business while I was in the Army, while I was in the Army National Guard. 
I was a teacher. I taught for a bit. I was, and then bounced around from a few different sales positions. Definitely found that I was sales was something that I was good at and that I, that I loved. And, and then that kind of took me into the insurance business in 2004 is when I first got into the insurance business. Got you. What, when did real estate come into the, the picture? 2010 was when I, I bought my first properties. And that's really, after I, br- I bought my first investment property, I think I had, I had ended up buying probably three more within a matter of months. I knew it was something that I always wanted to do, but there was always this apprehension or maybe this fear of like not knowing, not knowing how to do it, not, uh, you know, what if, it, what if it doesn't work out? What if, you know, just all of that kind of kept me from doing it for a few years. But once, once I had that first uh, transaction, I started to kind of build a portfolio rather quickly. That apprehension, I had a similar effect before I got into real estate. I spent a number of years sort of like worrying and just sort of procrastinating and telling myself I was preparing. But that apprehension that you had may have served you well because starting in 2010, buying, especially if you were, I don't know if you were buying rentals or flipping, but regardless, it's a, it was a better time to do it than like 2006. Yeah, it was a perfect time for me. Yeah. I mean, it was, we were buying and, and holding. We weren't, yeah. I've flipped only a, a, a few handful of properties, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was right after the crash and there were a ton of foreclosures. So it was just a, it was a good opportunity for me at that time to, yeah. to get in and get some great deals. For the record, everyone listening, I, I think we might be approaching another correction, another downturn. So yeah, if you're like, absolutely. oh, I missed that first one in 2008, <laughs> 9, 10, like, well, buckle up because I think we, yeah, might be, exactly. we might be gearing up for something similar. Cool. So you're in the insurance industry. You start, you start doing some, do you still have those buy and holds by the way, or have you, have you liquidated? I do, you know, I mean, I've sold a few of them, a few of them I've, uh, I've been able to leverage into other properties through some 1031 exchanges, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I still have a, a number, number of them. I have four properties, seven, I think seven units total in Georgia. We got 10 units here, three different properties in, uh, Rochester. I got a place up in, in Wisconsin as well. So that's kind of what I have for right now. So I have here in my notes here that you have since sold your insurance business and you are now a full-time business leader coach. Uh, you do speaking. I know you have a podcast. Well, it's called a championship leadership podcast. Yes. Uh, let's talk about that. Why get out of that business? Why get out of business, that kind of that industry, at least to do what you're doing now? Yeah, I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, just as far as, far as the insurance business was great and I had a nice business and a, and a, and a good brokerage agency built up from scratch, but I, I was, it did not fire me up. It did not like get me excited in the morning. And when I found out that there was this coaching in industry and that this was something that you could do, cause I didn't always realize that, that, that this existed. But uh, when I found out about this world, investing in myself and trying to get better uh, myself personally, I was like, man, this would be amazing to do again. Just looking back at, you know, being a teacher, being a leader, being an officer, wanting to impact other people's lives. That's just like, that's what a coach does. And uh, so when I had the opportunity, it didn't happen overnight. It happened over probably, you know, two to three years of knowing that this would be something I'd love to do to being able to create it, that I jumped at it and I, you know, sold my insurance business and uh, within really two days and, you know, kind of burnt, burnt the ships and yeah. no plan B and, and knew that, all right, let's go make this thing work and make it happen. So, you know, I love what I do as a coach to impact and inspire others and everything that I do from the podcast to writing books, to speaking, like it, it's all aligned with the same message, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. of helping others. And so that does fire me up and that does get me excited. And, uh, so yeah. What is, and I'm fairly certain the fact that you've written a number of books and you, you speak, 
that there's a lot of stuff that you talk about. What what, what are some of the central themes? Like you said, they kind of all have a, a the similar message. Like, what is the message? What is it that you talk about and help people with? Yeah, a lot of mindset, a lot of champion, you know, championship leadership is just something that I've really kind of created into my own thing. But leaders, it's around leadership, being a great leader, leading yourself first, being an example, setting the standard, putting yourself in difficult situations. I, I'm also an extreme endurance athlete. So like 100 mile runs or ultra distances or 48 plus hour events. You do that? The, yeah, I do all that. 100 mile run? Yeah, that's why my book's called The 100 Mile Mindset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I could write a to moon and back mindset, but that doesn't mean I went to the moon. That's amazing, <laughs> man. Uh, 100 mile runs. That bl- Well, there you go. That says something about your discipline, too, and your mindset, because my goodness, like a marathon seems like an absolutely bonkers alien concept to me. <laughs> yeah, right? and, and I run, but man, it, I don't even want to tell you, but like a 100 miles, holy smoke. Okay, sorry, I don't want to get too off on a sidetrack, but that. I just think it's amazing. I think those kind of physical endurance things, these extreme physical trials are are just mind blowing. So, okay. hundred miles. Mile yeah. And it is. And that's why, but you know, it's not necessarily because I love it. It's because of those benefits that you do get from it. And I know that if I have something big like that in front of me to work towards, then it keeps me focused and driven. And all of that carries over to the rest of my life. It makes me a better father, but better husband, better business owner and coach, you know, it makes me better all, all the way around when I, when I'm, pursuing, you know, these big physical races or yeah. outcomes. What, what was it like? Uh, and we don't get too deep into it, but what was your childhood like in terms of were your parents strict or were they, were they not so strict? Like what kind of discipline was instilled back then? Is it something you, you learned or something you developed? I guess is sort of where I'm going with that. My mom, my father, like is not a part of my life. Right. But he left at a very, very early age. So it was kind of my mom and we lived with my grandparents for a short time but they were pretty like my grandfather was pretty instrumental in my life. And my mom got remarried to who was really my father, my stepdad when I was around five or six. So he's been there for a long time. And, and yes, my parents were fairly disciplined. And so was my, you know, my mom's parents were, and so were, so were my stepdad. Like they just kind of grew up in that era of yeah. like, you don't question a lot of things you do. You work hard, yeah. you're respectful. There was a good amount of discipline. We had, we had dinner together as a family, like kind of the, I don't know. We were definitely not the cleavers, but at the same time, yeah, there was, there was plenty of discipline and, you know, be home by a certain time and yep. make sure school work done and working and you got chores to do and, yep. and things like that, that definitely impacted me yeah. and who I am and probably absolutely carries over to, to doing things like a hundred mile run. My dad, same thing, not in my life so much. Uh, stepdad came around five or six, kind of consider him my dad. Very similar there. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, when he said we weren't the cleavers, if you're too young, it's a leave it to beaver reference. Yeah, that's from right. A show from probably the 60s <laughs> or 50s or something. So, yeah. 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 It's a, I, I used to watch that. So that's funny. I watched the reruns all, all pull, man. Yeah, the time I, as a kid. That's right. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I used to watch those after school. Cool. I'm just curious. I, I'm always interested to hear folks like you, especially ultra discipline like that. If it was something like you grew up with tons of discipline and that's just the way you lived or as you got older, if it was in response to maybe uh, parents that were completely hands off, like I've seen that too, where somebody just, they realize when they get older, like that wasn't right and they need the discipline. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you talk to folks about. Winning mindset is something I know that you discuss. How, how does someone develop that? How do you create that? What do you do for someone who says, I don't know if I have a winning mindset. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, how does someone create a winning mindset? Well, you create it, I, I believe you create it by doing by doing what I, what I do, right? You have to put yourself in difficult situations to create a mentally tough mindset, right? If you 
are just comfortable and you kind of have settled in life, which many people do. And I'm not saying that that's even wrong. It's just not right for me. It's not right for the people that I coach because that's not what they want. They want something different. They want something greater. And when, when you want something greater, it requires you to have a tough mindset because oftentimes our natural way of being, our, our, I, th- I think our natural instincts in today's society with everything in the palm of our hand, right? Like we got Amazon, you, one click and you can have it in a day, you, news, social media, likes, comments, shares, like everything's uh, positive reinforcement right now. And um, it makes us a little bit soft. And so if you, to have that men- tough mindset, that 100 mile mindset, that's developed through putting yourself in in situations where you're a little bit uncomfortable, right? And that is a different place for everyone, depending on where you're at, right? I didn't start out running 100 miles. I started out running one mile and that was difficult. And then it was two. And then I grew from there and continually pushed up against, you know, my threshold or what I thought was my threshold and continue to push through that and fail along the way, you know? So I've learned when I'm feeling a little bit of that resistance or a little bit like, oh, kind of scared and nervous going into a big race, I know that I'm in the right place because that, that means that I'm living, I'm competing, I'm experiencing life, I'm meeting incredible people, I'm getting to see awesome places, and I'm learning how to be mentally strong and tough because a year like 2020 comes and that we don't see, and it served me well not too long ago, I, I don't know that I would have responded how I have this year with, the, with all the uncertainty that's come. So yeah, it's a, I think it's, you got to put yourself in tough, uncomfortable situations. Doesn't mean you have to get crazy and do something drastic, but yeah. you know, continually just push a little bit. The folks that come to you for coaching or for advice or to be in your world, what is it that they're usually struggling with? Like, I always find it interesting, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm really curious, but are people's, are the concerns that they have the ones they should be concerned about? Or, I mean, do people come to you thinking, oh, I don't have, you know, I don't, I didn't have the right upbringing or I don't have the right ability or I don't have the right opportunity. I mean, how much of it is like course correcting the symptoms that they think is really the problem? I think you can help someone create a, a new perspective, essentially, just by asking a lot of powerful questions and just questioning their current reality or what, what the stories that they have that they've been telling themselves. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of what I do is through different live events, like the championship leadership 24-hour experience that I have, which is, is physical. And so essentially what I'm doing is I'm breaking their idea of what is reality to them and showing them that actually they can do way more. Right. And so that's something that is a definite strength of mine is to have people in those environments and be able to show them through some different physical evolutions that, Hey, you can, you can do way more. Like I know you've lived this way thinking that this is all that you are capable of, but in a short time period, we can, we can show them a completely new perspective that, you know, a lot more is possible that they're capable of way more. So is this thing, this event that you put on, is it purely like, is it an all physical thing or is there some component presentation? Is it like a combination or what, what is it? I'm curious now that you say this, I, I, I wasn't aware of this event. So is it yeah. like you just get them out there and just physically destroy them and then go <laughs> way more than you thought or what, what's involved? So it's, um, the intent is not to crush their souls. <laughs> it's not to make them quit. There are events out there like that. Uh, the, the intent of this event is really to get them to grow as leaders. And at the same time, yes, it's physically hard, right? But there's no classroom. It is outside the entire time. There's some traveling in between different locations, but there's, a, there's plenty of time spent just like 
all right, let's get together and let's talk. Let's, yeah. let's, yeah, what are you learning? What did you just uh, experience there? What did you learn from that? How can you apply it to your life? So there's a good amount of that in between to break up the physical work that we do. Do yeah. they know what's going to be asked of them before they get there? Or is it a more of a kind of a surprise? It's a little bit more of a surprise now. I mean, we do video these things. So they, so they, okay. so they think that they know what's coming, right? And they have a good idea of some of the things that they're going to experience, but we keep them guessing. There are some PT standards that we have them just to give them something to train for and so that they hopefully show up at a certain level so that they can not just get through 24. Anyone can get gut out 24 hours if they really have to, but the experience is so much better if they come at a certain level, right, of physical capacity. Then we can push a little harder and and the experience can be a little bit better and a little bit more fun that way too. But we keep a light, you know, we might get on them a little bit to increase the, the stress or pressure from time to time because that's what it's like in life. You got uh, stresses and pressures all the time that show up in different ways. And so we can simulate that through that. But for the most part, it's, you know, we're not yelling and screaming, but we are putting them in difficult situations to see how they respond as leaders. What do you think stops most people from living the life that they really want to live? You know, it can be a multitude of things. Number one, it's maybe they've had some past failures and they've allowed that to be their identity and so that they never move past that. It could be that they grew up in such a horrible environment that someone told them that they weren't worth anything and that they were never going to amount to everything and they buy into that. It could be that they just, they don't have a real strong mindset. And so every time they do come up against a little bit of resistance, which is really just that moment of almost near breakthrough for many, but they they back off when they feel it. And so they never learn what it's like to push through. So yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things and factors in play when it comes to you know, certain things that hold people back. It could be just a simple, they lack belief and they just need somebody to come along in their life one time to show interest in them and to show belief in them that they don't have them themselves. And oftentimes, I mean, you hear that all the time. They're like, man, thank God this person came through and kind of took me under the wing and, uh, you know, had belief in me when I didn't. And that's all it takes sometimes. Yeah. Agreed. Talk about who people surround themselves with. Why is that important? What, what is the, what's the impact of your group that you tend to hang with? Yeah, so important. You know, I mean, you hear it, right? Whoever said this, I don't remember, but maybe it was Jim Rohn, the top five people. You, show me the top five people you hang with and I'll, I'll show you your results essentially, which I think there's a lot to that. Yeah, go surround yourself with the people that you aspire to be. That's been a big, huge shift in my life is when I went to SEAL for Kokoro to surround myself with the Navy SEALs that were running these events. Now some of those Navy SEALs actually are helping me run my event. And if it wasn't for me putting myself in that situation and being around these people, no way would they be in my life, right? Because they're, they're hanging out with other people like themselves that are elite and that are winners and that are the same mentality and the same path. There's no way that Coach Tree Floyd McLennan running for Congress would be the guy that's actually helping me to run this event now that was a 15-year SEAL. So it's putting myself in situations as a coach, investing in, in surrounding myself with other influencers or whether it's on the podcast and having someone like Tito Ortiz on or you know all the other incredible guests that I've had. Like If it wasn't for me pushing myself out of my comfort zone and trying to get a little bit better every single day and putting myself in situations that I normally wouldn't because it is not comfortable then I wouldn't be in some of the circles that I am. So it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. When you're around other winners, you, you either get left behind or you rise up and you, you become, you know, the same level or more. I think it's a similar effect. I don't know if you agree, but it's peer pressure, right? We think of peer pressure a lot of times negatively, like kids 
get sucked into peer pressure to do the wrong things because the group's doing it. Well, peer pressure isn't negative. It just depends on where what the environment is. So you put yourself around the right people. Like you said, the peer pressure is to be excellent, to excel, to achieve your goals. So I'm a huge fan of peer pressure, man. It just has to be applied positively. But I think that there's there's a positive side to that. So talk a little bit about your book. You, you mentioned it, The 100-Mile Mindset, Discover the Power of Being Your Word. What does that mean? Yeah. So the book is all about the journey to run 100 miles. And I failed a few times along the way. And then the Discover the Power of Being Your Word is... I had a podcast. Well, it's, it's still out there, but I did a hundred episodes and I stopped it. It was just really a hundred daily messages, five to seven minutes called the integrity bank. And the integrity bank is all, and that's a chapter in the book too, of around just the power of being your word. And for so long in my life, I wouldn't. And a lot of people go through life and, and they take withdrawals from their integrity bank. Just like if you have your financial bank account, you can only take withdrawals so much until there's a negative balance in the bank yeah. is like, Hey, you ain't getting no more money. Yeah. Well, in, in our daily life, a lot of people, they break the promises to themselves, especially first and foremost, every single day. And they don't have any money that they don't have a balance to take from. And so the power of being your word is just being your word every single day, making little deposits into your integrity bank and getting to the point where like from the day you had to make withdrawal until the next withdrawal you're going to have to make, the goal is to make that gap, you know, wider and wider because there's times when you not going to be able to follow through on your word. And so you just got to own it in those moments, you know, and hope that you have the balance there. And again, it starts with you. If you can get to the point in your life where when you tell someone you can, you're going to do something, they just know it's going to happen, right? There's not a lot of people in my life, unfortunately, that when they tell me something, I just know what's going to happen. I can cash that check right now. I can count on it. And if you can become that person, it doesn't matter where you were up until this point. If you start from today, make a decision and you're just going to become that person, it's, it's a powerful thing, right? I love that. And I love the idea of when you tell someone something, because you're right. I mean, you think about all the people in your life, if they tell you they're going to do something, kind of have to wait and see. A lot of times you're like, nah, there's no way you're doing that. You don't say it, but you're like, "Uh, okay. But it is powerful to have those kind of people in your life that you know, what if they say it, it's a done deal. Like it's amazing. The people you can just count on. Yep. Yeah. You're right. And there's few people like, unfortunately, there are a few people like that. What was the hardest part? It's a curiosity. What was the hardest part about getting to a hundred miles? What what was it that you struggled with the most? (laughs) Other than Um, maybe just the actual running of a hundred miles. Was there any other aspect of it that was surprisingly difficult? There's so, so many things, right? I mean, obviously there's no substitute for preparation and putting in the miles and putting in the work leading into it. And then there's a lot you learn just by going out to do it, right? You got to put yourself in that place. And that's so the first two times I failed, but I learned so much along the way, right? I learned how to do certain things, how to how nutrition, how to rest and recover, how to pace myself, just all the things that you would learn that you wouldn't know unless you actually go out and do it. But, you know, if I could pick something in the race, I would say really the first 75 miles is really just kind of a a buy-in. Like if if you're a CrossFit guy, you know what a buy-in is, right? That's kind of a term for, all right, this is what you got to do before the workout starts. And so before going into it, I've kind of figured like, all right, if I get 75 miles, I'm pretty much done. But actually, no, I still got 25 miles to go. And at that point, you're beat. Every body joint aches, your feet are blistered and bloodied, you're tired. And, uh, 
a lot of times it's probably pitch black and dark out. And, you know, that brings a whole set of circumstances to the table. And so it's really just, there's a lot of work to be done before the race really truly begins. And so it's getting to that point and then just really having the mental tenacity or toughness to just keep moving forward, just take it one step at a time and just completely be present. You know, like the more you can be present, the better you are. Cause you start getting out into the future of how much more, how many more miles you got to go or how much longer before you're done. That's when you fail. That's when you quit. Yeah. That's a great point. Actually. I, like I said, I run and it's, it's, it's a fraction, but that is the thing I, I find for me, at least when I run, if I start thinking about how long has it been, how much longer do I have to go? How many more miles? That is a killer. I, I immediately yeah. feel exhausted. Like I have yep. to stop. So that's a really, really good point. What kind of foods were you eating to train for this? I'm always fascinated by this because I think nutrition is a huge part of it, obviously. So what, what kind of foods were you putting in your body during this time? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the ultra world, it's kind of like a free pass to just eat whatever you want. When you, when you come to these aid stations, they're usually just stocked full of like anything from M&Ms to candy to gummy bears to pickles to sandwiches to sometimes pizza to... Uh, and then a lot of people use the goos or whatever. Yeah. I try to stick to regular food as much as possible. You know, a lot of times I'll bring some things with me, but you know, in an ultra, ultra distance race, it's, it's about like just you burning through so many calories to just keep refeeding yourself with, with enough carbs to keep you going yeah. so that you don't totally bonk out drinking a ton of water. You don't, you don't ever want to get behind on your hydration and yeah. salt tabs is a huge one. Like just continuing to replenish the salt and electrolytes so that you don't cramp up. You have to be super vigilant about your nutrition just as much as you do about focusing on the run itself. So it's almost like two different things that you're focused on that are extremely important because it could be once you kind of get behind, it's almost like you're, it's too late. There's no making that back up. All right. So we're we're running a little bit out of time here, but I want to ask you one last question. What does living a legacy mean to you? Let's round it out with that. Yeah. So, I, so my second book was called Live, Living a Legacy. And so me, I've always looked at it not as a, I think most will, when they talk about legacy, they talk about the legacy you're going to leave. And so I've always tried to look at it as live your legacy, right? Our life is a journey and it's really more so about the journey than it is the destination. So if you live a legacy, you're going to leave one, right? You're going to leave one behind. If you're living your example of life in all areas, Number one, you get to enjoy that uh, legacy and journey along the way. It's not just about dollars to me. It's about, you know, really a well-rounded life, who you are as a person, who you are in business and, and you're inside of your family, inside of your faith and your connection to God. And uh, so, yeah, it's all encompassing. And, and to me, it's more about I try to focus on living it and enjoying it instead of just leaving it for someone else to to enjoy down the road. I love it. That's good stuff. If you want to hear uh, more from Nate, definitely check out his podcast, Championship Leadership Podcast, or you can go to natebailey.org. We'll have all of this in the show notes. If you're driving, running on a treadmill, whatever you're doing right now, listening to this, don't feel like you have to stop. We will have it in the show notes. You can go check it out. Nate, is there anything else you want to share with everybody? Any other way to get a hold of you or something else you want to mention before we wrap it up? No, not really. Other than, yeah, just check it out. And if you want a free copy of the 100 Mile Mindset, the audiobook version is free on my site. Uh, oh, so nice. go go grab it there. 
Very cool. That's how a lot of people consume. So that's, that's probably going to be a a good way to go. Awesome. Melissa, Nate, thanks again for your time. And I appreciate it. I appreciate all your leadership knowledge, all your leadership experience, all the messages that you shared with us. Thank you for your, your service. Uh, I don't want to go without saying that it's uh, very, very important that uh, we have folks like you in the world that are willing to step up and, uh, and stand up for us. So thank you for that. And uh, just have a great rest of your summer and stay healthy on these uh, hundred mile runs. It sounds incredibly (laughs) hard. (laughs) I don't know why I'm worried about you but uh anyways <laughs> thanks thanks for everything you do man we'll, we'll I talk appreciate to you it soon. yeah thank you all right guys hopefully you enjoy that as much as i enjoy interviewing him nate's a good guy uh i love the the just the competitiveness the the desire to win the championship mindset i think he's a great example of what people can do right a hundred miles are you kidding me like you can do it and he said he started off at one mile so i know i know what that's like <laughs> i don't know what a hundred miles is like But it's just about getting the right mindset, and that's why it's important for us to have folks like this on this show to talk to us about what's possible so we stop having this limited belief of what we're capable of. You're capable of so much more than you think you are, but you have to believe it. You have to get out there and take those steps and have those small wins that lead to bigger wins. So I enjoyed having Nate on. I think that was a great, great uh, conversation with a guy who's spent his whole life pursuing greatness and now he's spreading that word to everybody else if you enjoyed listening to that go check out his podcast give him a little bit of love give him a rating and review that's uh, certainly as important to us podcasters and uh, i just want to leave you with that one message you are capable of more than you think you are so start believing it get out there and get started make today the best day i'll talk to you next time okay you're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, Level Jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month, to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over a hundred a year. And I went from doing very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12 month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words just start as two words now just start to the number 55444 so text just start to 55444 i will send you a free digital download of my book it's the complete book there's nothing held back and that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me and i really really appreciate it guys so i want to do something nice for you i do this every once in a while at the end of shows and if you listen to the very end every once in a while i do a giveaway like this so hopefully you enjoy that go grab a free copy i hope you read it i hope you love it reach out let me know what you think all right guys talk to you next time